Hi, my name is Bob Brooks, host and moderator of Long in the Tooth. This is a podcast primarily for late career dentists who are interested in doing a great job with their practices currently and also in planning for a transition of their practices to new ownership in the future. Our vision for the podcast is to be an educational format, not salesy at all. If you have been directed to join this podcast by a member of the dental industry in the United States, please thank them. This is going to benefit you. These are educational presentations that will hopefully help your profitability, your peace of mind, and your planning for the future as you are considering transitioning your practice to new ownership. Hi, Bob Brooks again with Long on the Tooth podcast. We're pleased that you're able to join us with our special guest, Brian Hanks, who serves dental practice buyers. And Brian, we're pleased to have you with us again today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. And you have a website uh, that's got some valuable information. Could you share just a little bit about how the, how the uh, buyers and sellers, I guess, if they have an interest, can access your website and maybe a little bit of information on what's on there? Sure. Uh, dentalbuyeradvocates.com. Dentalbuyeradvocates.com. You can, uh, I've got 100 plus different articles about all the aspects of buying and selling practices. Uh, anything you can think of, questions that you're probably asking, uh, I've tried to answer in there. If you go to the article section, you can read them free of charge. No email necessary. I'm not going to hound you. Um, all the information is just, I try to make it as available as possible. Great. Thank you. So our topic for today's episode is increasing options for help with transitions. And uh, first of all, let's start off with who are, who are the resource people and what resources are typically needed by a buyer uh, in dental practice transitions? Yeah, sometimes this is called the team, right? Who do you need? Who's who's on your team to help you transition either in or out of dentistry? Uh, so this this is a podcast for uh, mostly for sellers, right? Fifty five plus, right? And, That's and right. Maybe, yep, and and anybody I think is well served to listen to this uh, in in the dental community. Um, so I would say number one on the list ahead of me and and Bob, and I hope you're not offended. Ahead of you, I would say is the lawyer. Okay. Lawyer is full yep. stop, non-negotiable, have to have it, and uh, and needs to be dental transitions specific. I don't care if your brother is a corporate attorney, big white shoe, $600 an hour, you know, uh, does M&A transitions all day. I, I could care less. They will probably kill the deal. You should call a dental transitions lawyer, and they need to be the first person on your team. It's probably going to cost you, I don't know, what would you say, Bob? Ten to fifteen thousand dollars, give or take, depending on who you pick. If they charge hourly, flat fee, some of those things, and what they're doing. Uh, but um, full stop, non-negotiable, must have it. And end of story. If if they choose a non-dental trans transition experience, transaction experience attorney, there's a good chance they'll pay more. Uh, yeah, that's right. You know, yep. if if they, uh, I'm doing a deal right now with uh, the buyer has got personal injury attorneys. Uh, <laughs> they'll also do oil and gas, I might add. So I don't know. I don't know what their bill will be. And of course, if there's a, 
you get into partnership situations, those can be really difficult and, you know, those can run into big, big dollars. And I'm sure it varies in different parts of the country uh, what what the fees would be, what might be, you know, buyers might top out with $5,000 in fees some places and perhaps in other places in the country, 10000 might be very reasonable. So there's Possible. a... I, yeah, I um, let's, and I don't mean to, we'll, we'll come back to this. I will say that um, geography-specific comment um, is increasingly becoming less important. I'm going to say it's not relevant. I'm not going to say you're wrong because you are. You're not. Uh, but that is an accurate comment. I think the trend is away from, um, you know, well, I want a dental transition specific attorney in Ohio. Or I want one in Utah where I'm at or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, but anyway, yeah. who, but your, your, the bigger question was, who else is on the team? Well, um, if you're selling your practice, you need someone who knows how to sell practices. And that has traditionally been a broker. And um, I, I didn't know this, and, and I don't know that this is a verified statistic, Bob, so let's take it with a grain of salt, but I have heard, and I'm curious if you've heard the same, that um, somewhere between 50 and 55% of dental trans- trip practices, when they change hands, change hands outside of the help of a traditional broker. So it seems that, anyway, is that, have you heard that? I would say that could be accurate. You know, uh, we call those FISBOs, just like, you know, people that try to sell their own house for sale by owner. And if you just think about, you know, a, a dentist went to dental school for four years and maybe longer, you know, with residency or whatever, and they they learned their their specific uh, in their, their profession and they became credentialed and licensed. And uh, it's hard to believe that, I mean, it's just like taking two dental patients that need to have uh, their wisdom teeth removed and just tell them, uh, give them a pair of pliers and tell them to go pull each other's teeth out. I mean, why, why would you, why would you decide to go do something that you're not skilled in and you don't do for a living? Uh, it just, uh, it blows my the, mind. So. I'll, I'll play devil's advocate. I agree with you hundred percent. And I'll tell you the answer I've heard. Uh, and I, I can understand the logic behind it. And the answer that a lot of dentists give me is, Well, Brian, that's because I had to go to dental school for four years. I heard, and this is true, that in order to be a practice broker, um, you know, in fact, I know a very very prominent uh, practice broker uh, who runs a big Facebook group, called up uh, owner of a dental brokerage firm, said, hey, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to be a broker. And he said, okay, yeah, they talked for about half an hour. And um, it made sense to the owner of this brokerage firm. And he said, at the end of this half hour conversation, Congratulations! You're now a broker, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so um, I think a lot of dentists are saying, "Well, how do I know the person I'm talking to is qualified to be a broker?" And that that is a fair question. I think we'll we'll talk more about it. But I would say, on the team, on your team, should be someone who understands transitions, how you qualify that person, how you just determine whether or not they are, uh, know what they're doing, um, is is a big question that we can talk about. Uh, but but I think. Like you said, the value in having someone who knows what they're doing help you through that process, if they're good and if they know what they're doing, is worth every dollar you're going to pay them. Um, I'd add some other people to the list um, of who should be on your team. I hate that I have to add this one, but I've, I've come across this enough times that I think it's worth mentioning that your spouse needs to be aware. <laughs> I, like I said, I think it goes without saying, but 
Um, for some people, apparently it needs to be said. And then um, I would uh, put your CPA on the list and I would put your financial advisor if you have one. I hope you do on the list. And, um, and then we talked in our last episode, Bob, if folks haven't caught that, um, I would uh, make sure your team is aware that a transition is something you're thinking about in a few years. And, uh, and I think those, you know, whether or not the, the team, your, your hygienist and your assistant are quote unquote on the list, helping you kind of through the trenches of a transition, I don't think is true, but at least, you know, making them aware and helping, having them help vet the different buyers can be valuable. So those are generally the folks that um, tend to be on the list. You know, we could talk in more detail about equipment reps and, you know, software people and things. But I think, I think staying out of the weeds, I think, is, is important. I think a uh, lawyer transitions professional, a broker probably uh, of some kind, and then a CPA, financial advisor to make sure that you're on the right track. Great. And, you know, when you mentioned broker, I do think that there has been a void in leadership and training and credentialing uh, with brokers in the past. And and I know you are, are friends with Randon Jensen with CTC Associates. And and I asked uh, uh, Randon and uh, Larry Chatterley, uh, his uh, uh, mentor and, and the person who started that company and, and other people like Roger Hill, um, Kim Ray out of St. Louis and other people to help in establishing the dental practice broker credentialing program with the International Business Brokers Association. And uh, they all agreed to do that and they became our lead subject matter experts. And I assisted with that project also in training. And so there is a credentialing program for dental practice brokers in the U.S. And it's important, I think, to look and see if the brokers that sellers are selecting are students of their own profession. You know, they may not be required in their state to have a certain number of CEs or to be licensed in any way, but they can actively pursue continuing education and try to perfect their, uh, their work in their own, uh, you know, in serving, in serving their clients. And, it, and if they're not, you know, if they're not participating, if they're just a lone wolf, they're just out there doing their own thing, just uh, watching money roll in and, and they don't want to get involved with anybody else. You know, it's kind of a scary situation. If somebody like that doesn't want to have accountability, what does that tell you when they don't want accountability? It's not very good. Or, or are uncomfortable with, for example, you call a broker and they say, well, no, 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 don't, don't call an attorney. I'll just, I'll do that for you. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's think about this for a minute. Well, let me move on to the next question if I could, Brian. And, and actually this is kind of along the line of what you, you ask about trends and transitions. What are some other newer trends and transitions that you can think of? Or is that uh, primarily what we just spoke of? You know, no, it, it is a little bit of kind of that nationalization of the transitions market. Um, so I'm seeing uh, bankers typically in the past had to, you know, I, I'm, I'm the Seattle banker. <laughs> you're, you're selling a practice in Western Washington. I'm the guy or I'm the gal, right? Uh, and a uh, dentist in Virginia calls up that banker. Well, the banker's not going to help them. I am seeing um, bankers still have territories, but they're increasingly doing deals everywhere. 
Uh, I'm seeing the same with lawyers. I'm seeing a few transitions companies start to do that. So I'm seeing a trend towards nationalization. And, um, you know, that's one thing. I'm seeing a trend towards flat fee in some areas. Again, legal is an area I'm seeing more lawyers getting comfortable with a flat fee arrangement because they specialize. They know how much time a deal is going to take. They understand who the other party is, who the other lawyer is sometimes. And they're, they're saying, yeah, I know, I know how this is going to go. I'm happy to quote you a flat fee so that there's no fear of picking up the phone and calling me. Um, what other trends am I seeing? So those are the two that immediately come to mind. And um, I, I am seeing more people um, trying to be helpful. And here's what I mean by that. I think in the past, um, I, <laughs> I think in the past it's been difficult to determine who the good folks are from the bad, right? How to spot the, the good broker, the good banker, the good lawyer uh, versus some of the bad options. And I'm seeing a much more efficient market in spreading the word on maybe who to work with and who to avoid. Uh, I'm seeing that in online forums. I'm seeing that, um, you know, folks like yourself, Bob, putting together podcasts and getting word out there so that people can get comfortable with you and, and hear your voice and understand how you think before they call you up and hire you. Um, you know, I've, I've done that with the book and other things. So I, I, that, those are some of the trends that I'm seeing um, as the transitions world matures and, and starts to um, get some, you know, some norms around it. Sure. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. So uh, when the pandemic set in, I anticipated that there would be a significant number of low collections practices where the practitioners would probably like to get out of their practices, what they could get out, have a patient record sale and just walk away and sell to other area dentists who would pay a fee for their records. And we started a project called the Lemonade Project, and we advertised it big time and went to quite a bit of work to promote it in our market. And it uh, the reception was very light. We we didn't we weren't able to help very many practitioners with it because I think there's lack of self awareness by many practice owners at the end of their career. If their collections are very low, they've got antiquated equipment and they're in old space. You know, I've heard some say, well, somebody could walk in here tomorrow and practice dentistry and they want to, you know, they want to sell their one or two operatory ancient office with, you know, antiquated equipment. And uh, it's just, it's, it's never, it's just not going to happen. And so when we think about the practitioners that have gone out of dentistry, many of them just turn their practices into what I call lifestyle practices Maybe they didn't know what they were going to do after they retired. And so it was, it became kind of a half social event, half business, you know, when they go to work each day and they just let collections go down, down, down. They have hardly any new patients. And I thought, Hey, a lot of these low collections practitioners are not going to want to open their doors, but they, they weren't even aware of their opportunity to sell their records. And, and they lost out in helping their staff and helping their, uh, who may have or may not have been able to get jobs with the, the sellers on these patient record sales. They, they left their um, patients orphans. I have uh, uh, some property out of state and our next door neighbor there uh, had that happen to his dentist. And so he went to a new dentist that he didn't know and was told the first time he was there he needed 15 new crowns. And his previous <laughs> dentist didn't tell me he needed any. So, you know, it's not 
really cool just leaving all your patients stranded without recommending somebody to go to or or helping them connect with a reputable uh, provider so uh, when we think about you know a lot of those dentists thought they could sell their practice themselves they thought their practices were worth more money and they wanted to sell the real estate which was unsellable for dental use so tell us who can get away with selling their practice themselves and and, and who should hire help if you would yeah uh, um I am biased to think a lot of people would benefit from help. We talked about how a lawyer is a non-negotiable. So if, if we just kind of assume that we mean broker or transitions coach or seller's coach or someone like that for help, um, I, you know, there I think there are some situations where uh, maybe a family member selling to another family member or uh, two dentists who've um, you know, bought and sold a few practices, one, like you said, maybe selling to the other. And they've, they've penciled out the deal already and they, they found each other and they've been down the road a few times. I think those are some, a few examples where, uh, and then maybe the associate who came in with, uh, you know, let's, let's be clear here, associate buying out their boss where there was defined, there were some defined terms before that associate came on board that situation. I could see theoretically they, uh, you know, maybe could get away with just using lawyers and bankers and maybe a CPA or two or something like that. But I, I think those situations tend to be more rare than dentists like to think is possible. I think um, most people would benefit from having some help. You know, if you think through what um, what the dental uh, broker or a transit coach really does, there's, it's, it's quite a list and it's, it's healthy. Uh, we can go over that. I, I know we're getting close to time, but... Um, you know, I, I think most people could benefit. Well, Brian, we've got a couple more minutes here. And so let's uh, address our last two questions. When is the ideal time to start prepping uh, yeah. to sell a practice? <laughs> if I could wave a magic wand and have every seller talk to you, Bob, three years before they sell their practice, that would be incredible, right? Because here's what's going to happen in those three years. Um you're going to coach them to not take their foot off the gas with production and collections, which, by the way, declining collections and production is the number one thing bank underwriters look for when they're deciding whether or not to lend money. Number first thing, first because it's the easiest, but second because it speaks to the general trend of the office. Um, so you're going to remind them, hey, for the next three years, I want you to you know pick a schedule. You want to take some vacation, no problem. You know, but I want, you know, some, at least steady collections, if not slight growth over the next three years. That's how you're going to get top dollar for your business is number one. The number two thing you're going to do, Bob, is you're going to caution them three years in advance about buying some major $160,000 piece of equipment that they may or may not need. But you're also going to remind them that they need to get, the, uh, let's, let's just call it a facelift in the practice, Right. Green shag carpet is out. <laughs> Time to get the, the nice wood floors or whatever. Um, you know, let's repaint the walls. Let's make sure the imaging equipment is, is relatively up to date. We don't need the brand new latest and greatest every little thing in the office. But if your chairs are 20 years old, you know, it might be time. Um, if you're still on paper charts, good heavens, you know, the kiss of death. Buyer's going to, you know, eyebrows are going to go way up if your every note's on, on paper. You know, so you're going to have that conversation three years in advance. Now, I say that knowing that almost nobody's really going to call you or me three years in advance to sell their practice. 
And so I mentioned those things just to give sellers a sense that, hey, listen, there is an, you know, just like planting a tree, the best time was 10 years ago. Well, the second best time to call and ask questions and get help is today, right? So if, if you're thinking about making a transition, um, get, get on the phone, talk to somebody who knows something, get a sense of, and get someone that'll give you the real story. Is going to try to sell you a bunch of stuff? Ask them blunt questions, listen for the blunt answers, try to get a, wrap your head around what that means for you and get emotionally prepared for those answers so that when the buyer comes and asks those difficult questions, you're not hearing them for the first time. You know, what do you mean? I have patient, you know, my charts are on paper. That's a big deal. You know, I'd, I'd rather have you tell them ahead of time, Bob. And if it's three years in advance, so much the better. Um, and uh, that, that would be ideal for me. Good. Our last question, Brian, what are common mistakes that uh, sellers and, and buyers should avoid with transitions? Yeah, we talked about the team, you know, not getting help. That would be the mistake number one. I'll tell you the second most common mistake that I see, and maybe that's a good place to wrap the discussion, would be, um, to, I call this selling the cow and trying to keep the milk. So I see a lot of sellers who maybe know logically in their brain you know, the prefrontal cortex part of their brain that they need to sell their practice. But way down deep in the amygdala, that lizard brain, emotionally, they're not ready to hang up the handpiece. And so here's what they do. And I know you see this a lot because I see a lot of buyers. They say, all right, my practice collects 800,000. 25% of that is hygiene. So I'm doing 600 a year. I would like to sell my practice. Brian said the average is 75-ish percent, you know, so I want 80 because I'm, you know, of course, uh, more handsome and stronger and, and better than the average dentist. Uh, so I'm going to sell for 80% and I want the buyer to give me a three-year, two-day-a-week contract at $1,000 a day or 35% of production, whichever is greater. Well, that yeah. sounds amazing for the seller <laughs> and the buyer's <laughs> scratching their head going, are you kidding me? This isn't a two doctor practice. This is a one doctor practice at best. And, and this, the mistake there is just emotional preparedness to sell your practice. I, you know, there are situations where work back can make sense where a seller sticking around to help with the transition and, and help make introductions and maybe help in the practice for some time can make sense. Um, but I would say the number two mistake that I see beyond not getting a team around you that knows what they're doing is just not being emotionally ready to walk away and move on to the next step in life. Yeah, I would agree. And as I've gotten older, I, I've found that it's much, uh, it's much better to give a seller the bad news up front and prepare them emotionally. If there's some issue that they think is fantastic and it's not actually a benefit, it's a detriment, or if there's a major roadblock that I foresee it's important to discuss those so that you know the, that we can manage their expectations so that they can sell their practices because if their expectations aren't managed and if they have unrealistic expectations then the practice is not going to sell and they're not getting any younger and their their bad back and their hip and their uh, all the problems that they're experiencing you know or or could soon experience all the reasons that they're selling they're not going away. They're only getting worse and they're just causing themselves more trouble down the road. Well, Brian, we've been uh, uh, pleased to have you here with three for three episodes. And if you could share 
uh, an offer that you have for the uh, listeners here and then and send us out with your contact information, that would be appreciated. Oh, my pleasure. So folks that are interested in, in learning more about selling their practice, uh, I've got a new book out. It's just a couple weeks old here, recorded in 2021. Uh, but it, regardless of when you listen to this, if you go to dentaltransitioncoaching.com, dentaltransitioncoaching.com forward slash book, uh, you can get a copy. It's uh, I think it's 25 to 30 bucks on Amazon. I'd be happy to make an author order for you. And uh, you just pay printing and shipping. I think it's eight or nine bucks. Uh, so if you'd like a discounted copy of that book, Dental Transition Coaching forward slash book, uh, that's available for you. And then, um, yeah, my, my contact info, Brian at dentaltransitioncoaching.com. And uh, my phone number is 801-304-3302. Brian, thanks so much for sharing with us. And uh, we'll look forward to the next time we have a chance to, to talk. Thank you. Keep up the good work with what you're doing, Bob. Your clients are well served to have you. Oh, thank you very much. Bye now.